Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Mapping the College Audition, a podcast where we explore the landscape of the college theater world and try to demystify this daunting audition process. I'm your host, Charlie Murphy, director of MTCA, it's Musical Theater College Auditions, and today we've got a who's your Hoosier of a show lined up for you. Richard Rowland and DJ Gray of Indiana University. We have been working to schedule them for quite some time now because we <laughs> wanted to get this episode out for our MTCAers who are doing our private audition day, with this being the last episode of those for four particular schools. That's Indiana, Shenandoah, Webster, and that and the University of Oklahoma. So we've done it. Yay. Big congrats to us. And I do say us because the great Megan Cordier is back, yeah. if we can believe it. Did you catch the extra hello? I threw in an extra hello just for you because there are now two of us. It's not just me saying hello. It's hello, hello, because Megan is back. Welcome back, Megan. How are you doing? Thank you. You have just told me that the second hello represents me, and I really appreciate that, Charlie. That's very sweet. You better believe it. Our, our listeners, they've been clamoring for more Megan, and I just want to be clear, it was never our intention to cut Megan from the intro. It's just that we <laughs> changed our recording pattern, so often I was recording the intros on my own, but Megan is back and producing our show. She's been for a while now. You'll hear little snippets in the interview, maybe a laugh, maybe a moment, but she's been back. Well, I'm happy to be back and be able to see you do our intro live and work with our guests a little bit more one-on-one because I've been away doing some, you know, other MTCA things. But Megan, you also very successfully ran our junior workshop. Oh, thanks. Some of our very lucky listeners got to see Charlie and I's faces for the junior workshop, which you so lovely plugged for the last couple episodes. So, Do you think they were deeply disappointed, Megan? I do feel like they saw our face and they went, oh, mm. oh, you've really, you've got radio faces. That's you have radio like faces. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe you, but I won't say for me, you know, mm-hmm. self-talk is important in, you know, our performing world. We're going to talk about wellness later. You're right. You're right about Just that. This is a funny anecdote. My, my sisters often say like, I love you. And I, I go, I love me too. Very good. Rather than return it, you know, no, you good. have you to take the compliment. Take the compliment. All that silliness aside, we're so happy to have some of our podcast listeners join us for our junior workshop and got to talk about a little bit more about MTCA. And now we get to meet them um, in the flesh or on Zoom as well. In the flesh is such a weird way of saying in person. It just feels so carnal. In person just sounds so like online, in person, pandemic. So anything Fair. that's different just makes me feel a little bit better in about the life. Flesh of the flesh. In the flesh. Um, I did talk, speaking of the flesh, I did talk a little bit uh, last episode about my personal journey with wellness. Um, and I mentioned that webinar that we're having tomorrow night. If you listen on episode drop day, and if you're listening 36 hours late, it's happening right now. Um, you can also check out the link in our show notes or on our website under events. But I thought rather than just me plug it, we'd bring on the great Erica Strasberg to talk to you a little bit about wellness. Erica, welcome on the pod. How are you doing today? I am so great. I love a podcast. 
we all do here. We all. Yep. So I would love just to give a 15-second-ish bio of you of like, why in the world are people listening to you talk about wellness? I uh, went to Carnegie Mellon with Charlie Murphy. <laughs> I've been acting since. Um, and my interest in this field started in such a vigorous program because I realized how absolutely imperative my spiritual, mental, and physical health was. I mean, you know, if you're down a week, you really struggle. And I think the appeal of working with me is that I've been there and I really do get it. And I thought, you know, I, I want to get on the helping end of this. And I went back to school and I got board certified and started my own business. And here we are. Well, give us a little bit of like what wellness is. Cause I think it's such a large umbrella. You know, they've heard Carrie talk about the therapy side of wellness kind of, and we talk, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes talking physical, sometimes talking mental, such a big umbrella of what we're talking about. I'd totally. love to hear like what your thoughts are on how it can be relevant to these auditioning seniors and your students and also your specific expertise? For my money, I like to look at it as an active process. So it is the choices that we're making for our well-being. To me, that is wellness. So that it makes it an, an active thing that we're working on, um, hopefully every day. And it looks different for everyone, but I like to keep it active as we do in acting. Got to keep it active. Got to keep, keep it active. Actics active. That's um, right. well, and do you mind giving me a couple examples? I know you've now had some seasons working with our MTCA students, what might a senior or it could be a junior starting now if they're really anxious about the, but let's say I come in and I really want some help with anxiety or with structuring my life, or maybe mm -hmm. I'm struggling with nutrition. Like what are some of the things that you feel like you have been able to help students with in the past? Yeah, I'll give two examples because I think this this you know applies depending on your circumstance. I had a, a lovely student last year who called me the morning of a big, a, you know, she had multiple auditions that day. It was, I think, a unified in Chicago. She called me from her hotel room uh, sort of in a panic, and we just took 45 minutes and really got her centered mm -hmm. and got her in the right headspace before she she went out into that big day. We checked in again that night decided, do we need to do this again tomorrow morning before her second day? She kept me posted. We kept in touch throughout the weekend. And I was just basically there to make sure that she was in the right headspace moving through this huge audition. She ended up getting into her first choice school that weekend. Ooh, 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 it ooh, ooh. just was all great. Another example is someone, you know, some, some of the students I meet with a bit more regularly. Obviously, most MTCA students have a ton going on. It is a lot to manage. Um, and so we'll meet regularly just to make sure they're balancing all of the things going on. Homework, play rehearsal, what's going on in their social life, their nutrition, their sleep hygiene, all of that stuff. I'm there to check in and say, hey, are you on the right track? If not, how can we make some adjustments and then we'll check back in the next week or two weeks later to make sure they sort of took the note and applied what we talked about and, you know, improved it on their own from there. It's so cool. I mean, and really you see the what, the width of that umbrella when you talk about like psychological competitiveness on one side of it and the other side of it really about my physical health. Am I sleeping enough? What am I eating? How am I bouncing yeah. my schedule? That's a pretty big wellness umbrella. Well, and it's all wildly important and it's so connected. And I think the students really start to see that this year and have been such a big year as this. Oh, it, it is really this year specifically, it feels like as we kind of start to get back to normal, because last year still was in the the, the full, you know, the full throes of pandemic, of post-pandemic life or whatever. And it feels like now we're all trying to start to get back to normal. And at least in my personal experience, in my life experience, it's like everyone in my life is now dealing with all the crap from the past two years. Because now, now we're seeing it come up. You know? Oh, 100%. Like, they told us that the second wave of the pandemic would be sort of this mental, physical health. Uh -huh. And we're definitely seeing it happen for all ages. But for all ages. I do try to be... Um, 
a resource for parents if they need me as well. Um, I understand my mom and dad went through it with me and I understand that there's a lot going on and I'm always happy to just be there for them as well as we check in and navigate with these kids moving forward. Ugh. Well, if we want to hear more of me and Erica chatting about wellness, um, we know we have a webinar coming up tomorrow Woo-hoo! night. This is for the magic of podcasting. Tomorrow night, we're recording this in advance. But tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Eastern, um, we'll put the link in the show notes if you want to hear more from our wonderful Erica. Sounds good. See you then. Awesome. Well, thanks, Erica. I will see you very soon. Okay, a big thank you to Erica. And also, I was going to make Megan fall on her sword for this one, despite it completely not being her fault. Um, But you'll notice there's a brief period in this interview where my sound gets a little funky. This is due to a technical issue, which we worked to address but couldn't quite fix all the way. So it's going to sound like I'm driving through a tunnel for a few minutes. It won't last long, and I'll be back to my sonorous self, I promise. This same technical issue made us cut a little bit of DJ and my witty banter. We had a little witty exchange at the top, but it didn't sound great. So just please add in 20% extra charm and wit into your listening ear when you're hearing DJ talk. But with that apology, on to the interview with Rich and DJ. Well, we are honored to have Rich Roland and DJ Gray of Indiana University on the pod today. Uh, Rich has a BFA in theater performance from Denison University and an MFA in MT from the Pennsylvania State University. He's a third generation Broadway veteran in stuff like Thoroughly Modern Millie, The Scarlet Pimpernel, Follies, and was a teacher at Penn State and University of West Florida before becoming the head of BFA MT at Indiana. And we also have the wonderful DJ Gray, who is the associate head uh, for the BFA MT program. Uh, She has a BA from UC San Diego, an MFA from UC Irvine. She's a performer, director, choreographer. She's been on Broadway in The Producers and the associate choreographer for the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, where she must know our wonderful Sarah Salzberg, who we had on the pod, um, and Xanadu as well. Or you also would probably know my partner, um, potentially. We'll get to that as we go. Come on, Charlie, just get to the, to the bios. They both teach at Indiana, which is in Bloomington, Indiana. Um, they have class size, very intimate classes of 10 to 15 students and offer BFAs in MT, dance, and then BAs in theater and drama. Uh, DJ Rich, welcome on the pod. How you doing? Great. Great, Charlie. How are you? Thank you. We're doing really well over here. We're so excited to have you on. I mentioned my partner who is an Indiana alum, um, and she was like, when are you going to have Indiana on the pod? And I was like, I know. I'm trying. I'm trying to get them. We're trying to schedule. It's always tough with people's schedules and all those things. But I was like, we're going to get Indiana, I promise, on the pod. Um, and we're also so excited to have you on because we know we're going to be doing this private audition in December, um, which a lot of our students now, of course, are going to be uh, participating in. And so they're so excited to get that information, as well as our broader student listeners base as well. Um, before I dive into the school, I'd just love to ask each of you, I gave that really short bio, um, but I'd love, is there anything else in terms of fun facts or tidbits or things that uh, students should know about you personally before we get into the school? So I'll start with Rich and then we'll, we'll go to DJ. Uh, fill us in on just a little bit of your journey to the school. Uh, I'm a fourth generation performer, third generation Broadway veteran. That doesn't mean that that makes me the best for this job. Um, my training in other areas uh, makes me uh, good for this job. But also we bring in a really good sense of the business with us. We've all worked in the business at pretty high levels. And again, that's not a horn blowing thing. That is the level of confidence with which we come into our classrooms mm-hmm. and how we approach um, our students when it comes to getting them ready to step into 
a very challenging industry, no matter how you slice it. Um, so I, I came to going backwards. I came to Indiana University six years ago, strictly as uh, a visiting assistant professor to teach some musical theater acting classes, mm-hmm. and um, not even six months into my first year here. Um, the former head uh, uh, said they were leaving and for another another job in at another school, and uh, I was sort of handed this position, which um, <clears throat> I took on, and uh, through five years, I'm still learning the ropes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so being area head as well as um, being a, a professor of musical theater. Um, it's, it is, it is a daily challenge, but, um, 99.998% of the time it's rewarding that, Mm -hmm. that tiny little thing, you just take some Advil and it goes away. 0.002% you're saying is the, you're you're better at math than I am. Well, for sure. Um, Attraction, I can handle that. Uh, I came here by way of, uh, Penn state where I had been teaching for a very brief amount of time. Uh, it's also where I'd gotten my master's in, uh, directing for musical theater. And, uh, that's where I fell in love with teaching. I had always been a coach in New York, private audition coaching, um, uh, acting the song, but actually being in a room with students and having sort of the proper setting to really dive into the work, um, uh, where that is the main focus was Mm -hmm. what I grew to love. Um, plus I also had a, I come with a vast knowledge of musical theater history, um, form and function and analysis. So I've lent that to, to, uh, the, the program as well. Um, but before that I was a director and performer, uh, for years and I grew up sort of doing it. I grew up watching my family do it. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was always around me and, uh, I, I I don't know that I was destined for other things. That's really weird to say, but I do say I, I I did not know I would be sitting in a theater department Mm -hmm. doing this and passing on sort of our, the knowledge of, of, of what we gave and received from the industry and profession and craft. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think if you told me I was going to be in this position when I was just making my Broadway debut in the late nineties, I would have said, you're crazy. I'm going to stay here on Broadway. Whoops. Here I am. I guess in a nutshell, that's, that's what, that's what got me here. And just having the chance to look at a curriculum and a program and, and sort of reshape it. That was a, 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 daunting responsibility at first, but little by little, um, we've been carving, uh, this program into something that is unique yet and, and challenging and certainly rigorous, but, um, uh, really gives an opportunity for students to learn from our perspectives as uh, artists, technicians, and, um, and professionals. So we are helping them, um, uh, step into, like I said, that this rather uncertain and challenging, ultimately rewarding industry. And DJ, yeah, please. How did you come there? Well, right after uh, my undergraduate degree, uh, a BA in, in uh, video art, uh, I decided to jump right into a, a master's degree. So I kind of went the other way where a lot of my colleagues did. The undergraduate did the business and went, you know what? I'm going to go into teaching and, and go into, uh, you know, getting my master's. Um, so I did it first, um, and then I gathered a lot of uh, experiences along the way after my um, uh, graduate degree. 
and um, fell into, well, first dreams of going to Broadway and um, um, uh, made it there and uh, and got into my first show of producers and then fell right into uh, choreography, as you uh, had uh, read from my bio. Uh, so um, I did that for quite a while. I also taught gyrotonic and Pilates quite a bit and in New York and in between choreographing regionally as well as uh, assisting on Broadway. And then it came to a point where I really just wanted to settle down teaching and Indiana fell in my lap and I was in love with the school uh, and in love with the colleagues, my colleagues. I love it. All right, so give me a little bit of what it is to be an Indiana University student. What kind of commonality do we have uh, among many students in the program? Um, uh, highly individual. We're not a factory. We, uh, we know that everybody develops their own technique in their own way to suit their own mind, body, spirit, abilities. It's, I, I think... <clears throat> It is about taking what the individual has to offer and building upon that. The only thing we work at stripping away are bad habits um, and things that get in your own way. But this belief of um, the system of breaking something down to rebuild it, uh, I think, no, I don't think, I know that the past few years has shown us that that doesn't work, at least for us, um, that when you break something down, you're actually just breaking it. So why, why, why do we have to break something to fix it again? So let's take what you've got to offer and build on that. What are your strengths? What are your confidences? Where are your opportunities for improvement? Let's fill that up. Let's let's put the confidence where it needs to be. Um, yes, we're going to make you dance in the second row of the room today because you're going to be next to that person who is a little bit more advanced than you, and you're going to pick things up from them. Um, uh, it, it's just, it's it's it is about uh, again, it's just the the individual. <clears throat> Uh, looking at how the theater is changing, uh, we look to Broadway as the benchmark. It's not the be all end all, but it's a, it's a it's an example of where the industry is on a on a highly commercial level. Look at the sizes and shapes and and colors and ethnicities and genders of people on Broadway right now. It's not nearly what it was fifteen years ago, twenty years ago. Um, I use Great Comet. Hamilton, Dear Evan Hansen, um, uh, 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 come from away as perfect examples of how the ensemble, and I'm not meaning the people that just sing in the background, the ensemble, the entire show is changing. It's just changing what it looks like. And we want to celebrate that. We also want to nurture it. And we also want to push it forward. I, I love it. And so tell me a little bit, and, and both of you can jump in there, especially in the different disciplines. I'd love to hear kind of on a more granular level, what are the four years? So what am I taking through from acting, singing, and dancing um, in terms of the, the curriculum? DJ, why don't you start with dance? Because you, you helped introduce... Um, well, I'll let you tell the Pilates story. <laughs> yes, we uh, we have a Pilates certification program as well as um, a Pilates class that we ask all of our students to to enroll in, and it's required. And it's just it's for injury prevention, and it's something they'll use for the rest of their lives. And then we we don't have a placement program; we just can see where they are as they enter because they've already auditioned for the program. 
where they are placed within our classes. So there's a, a history of musical theater class through the dance uh, that Lauren teaches. And I teach uh, the beginning in case you come and singer first, we got to, we got to get you up to speed, give you experience in every dance form. Uh, so we get a uh, beginning and we also had uh, advanced styles as well as uh, in terms of the historical uh, aspect and tap. Of course, tap, and we also have Robert Burton as as has come on uh, aboard with us as well, and he is teaching a um, basically a rhythm tap class for beginners and advanced, um, and also jazz jazz classes. Yeah, Rich, you want to talk about the acting and singing as well? Yeah, this um, they never stop doing all three. Um, uh, there are eight semesters of private voice lessons, so that never stops. Um, there is. Uh, of a series of classes that I am introducing this coming year. Some have existed before, but we've just sort of in part of my restructuring <clears throat> of how that, um, that system will go. And it's four semesters of intense musical theater studio classes. Uh, studio one is acting the song, just getting the fundamentals of what that, what that is and what that means. Uh, semester two is uh, musical theater scene study. How do we, how do we how do we approach the technique of going from spoken song a spoken scene into sung or how do we approach the fully sung scene uh semester 3 is uh devoted solely to audition techniques which as you can be great at acting the song you can be a great performer all the way around but if you don't have a confident audition skill that's going to get in your way all the time and then semester 4 is an advanced methods class where it's we cover everything from styles to uh, holding, holding how, how to approach an 11 o'clock number, um, how to, uh, how to make an entrance, how to, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of like the, the polishing class. So that's, I'm very excited to introduce that this fall up till now. We've, we've only ever had the, um, acting the song and audition techniques, which I brought in a couple of years ago, but as things change and classes open up, um, it was my, um, my goal really to put more musical theater acting and by that, I mean, acting is acting, musical theater acting isn't different than regular acting, but just adding that element to the given circumstance of song in the, in, in the world. And aside from that, uh, all BFAs take uh, acting one, acting two, acting three. They have the option to take acting four, which is for the camera. Uh, and most of these courses are repeatable. So um, you don't have to, you know, one and done. I can never take that class again. Now I want to, I want to visit acting two again and get some more of that scene study character work in. We have a master class that meets every Wednesday and through the semester, each student gets up and performs for, for everybody else, the entire uh, program. So we're always getting you up and working. Um, it really never stops. And that the new series that I'm introducing this year culminates in senior year, two semesters of what we, what we call 401 showcase, but it really is just a continuation of everything the musical theater classes have taught us putting it into that that sort of senior launch uh, year. And would you say of the three disciplines, is there one that has more of a focus for Indiana? Would you say, hey, we're really trying to be a strong music-based program or really trying to be lead with acting, really lead with dances. Are they all equal or is there one that, that sort of elevates above the others? I mean, ideally, you know, they're fluid. They 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 interchange. They they One takes precedence here, the other precedence here. But ultimately, I think that our emphasis sits in the acting. That being said, when I came here, Indiana was, was already known for having some of the best voices in the program. So the singing has always been top notch. The dancing has always been great. DJ and Lauren have even elevated that even more. But I don't, I, I don't like to approach anything 
for theater craft without action acting based uh technique underneath that dance move underneath that 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 song underneath that text it's all intention based for me and it, it's rooted in the text so i think we're i think we're in agreement across the boards about that that it just nothing nothing is empty nothing is being done for no reason so acting as an overall for me is the core and so that can an actor you act in three ways you act through spoken text you act through sung text and you act through dancing and then just while we're on the acting side of it how does the acting in terms of the bfa acting how do those students interact with the bfa mt or you know how if i was a student or maybe a ba theater and dance uh, theater and drama student how do i then have opportunities if i do in the musical theater or in the dance world mm -hmm. uh first all musicals are open for uh, all main stage musicals are open to uh, for auditions across the board. Uh, there have been times when BA students, there is room to take uh, a BFA class. It has to be by permission. And I want to be transparent about that. You know, the BFA classes um, uh, give priority to the BFA MT students. Um, but we have uh, some, we sometimes have BA students. Sometimes we also have BSOF students. And that is, uh, Bachelor of Science in an Outside Field, and that's from the Jacobs School of Music. It's a completely different college, but about 12 years ago, the founder of this program, George Pinney, um, created the BSOF in musical theater, which is in itself, in essence, it is a musical theater minor add-on for voice students at Jacobs, whether they're in opera or jazz. And we've had um, a handful of, of each every year that, that just get a little bit of the musical theater training in their pocket for uh, for their industry as well. You're but describing say, the great Elizabeth Stanley. That is exactly the degree that she has. Yes. And she talked about it on the back. Yeah, exactly. Our very own Ray Fellman um, has that degree. And, you know, Elizabeth has been great in coming back and, and, and giving doing master classes with our students. Um, because technically when she graduated from here, the BFA and MT didn't exist yet. So, but she blissfully counts herself amongst the people that, you know, studied, got their MT. Yeah. So I would just love to hear a little bit about how do you prepare your students for the launch into the business? So from their senior year, but you know, you mentioned some of those audition skills, but then especially we talk about business, the business stuff, meeting agents, et cetera. Um, I'd love to hear about that. We have um, this amazing semester of working in the profession slash business of the business class. And that is, um, it's, it's, it is a lecture based class, but it's also a project based class. And every junior is required to take it in the fall of their junior year. So they start thinking about that outside world with, two years to go instead of just the one year of panic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, they do everything from uh, money management, learning about tax deductions for the performing artist, um, uh, how to save money. I mean, every student there seems to be a, a focus here. It's really talking about money a lot. This is really... Well, it's an industry, you know, I yeah. think that's where, and I, and we like to remind our students that art is great, but if you get paid for your art, that's even better. Mm -hmm. uh, and that there shouldn't be, the, the two are not mutually exclusive and you, there should be no shame in asking for money for your art. Mm -hmm. um, but also we look at uh, 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 city projects. Um, a, a bunch of cities are assigned to groups of students and they put together an entire project based upon what life is like in that city. Because mm -hmm. we all know theater is not the only place with a livable career in theater. So, um, You mean New York is not the only place? New York is not the center of yeah. 
everything. Although I'm from there and I love my city. It does have the best pizza. Sorry, Chicago. Um, yeah, Seattle, yeah. Pittsburgh, Chicago, Raleigh, Miami, um, mm-hmm. Orlando. Like there's a ton of work in Orlando. People mm-hmm. think, well, it's just theme parks. Well, it, it can be, but it's also there's a huge voiceover um, uh, population down there. There's a lot of theater. Yes, of course, the, the theme park entertainment industry is gigantic mm-hmm. um, and nothing to be sneezed at if you're if you're looking to just get in there and start working. So uh, they learn what the cost of living is in each city, what the performance opportunities are, what rent is like, uh, do you, how accessible is everything mm-hmm. um, so that we're really understanding it's just so much more than just plopping down in a city and saying, now what? Um, getting to know opportunities about the community. You know, one of the best things about people who work on the New York project is they look at, well, how can I get involved? Uh, Broadway cares, equity fights AIDS. How can uh-huh. I work for the, how can I do, how can I work with the actors fund? How do I get myself involved in the community? Um, we look at uh, employment opportunities that keep you tied to the industry. If they can, when you're not working on an actual contract at that time, Um I don't call it survival job because that just, it just puts us in a game of Thrones situation. And I just, it's, (laughs) it's, it's already tough. So I call it supplemental income. What are you doing to keep things moving forward between Mm -hmm. gigs? Um, So we, we, we encourage them to open the lid off on their entrepreneurial box and take a look inside. What, what can they do there? You can do a nanny service for actors. You can do a, a vegan uh, catering service for dancers who don't have the time uh, while they're in rehearsals at 42nd street studios. Mm-hmm. What, how do you, how do you stay involved? Bartending and waiting tables are both noble professions and I've done them both. And there's a lot of money to be had there, but what you lose is your hours and mm-hmm. you lose. Um, how do you go to that 10 AM open call when you've closed up a bar at 4 AM? Mm-hmm. You know, how do you, how do you wash the beer off of you for that, (laughs) for that open call? So we like to, um, and like I said earlier, because we all come from the industry, we don't come into this with rose cutter glasses. Mm -hmm. And some of the best compliments I've received from students that are now out in the profession, one or two to four years have said, wow, I mean, it's been a great time, but thank you so much for not telling us it's going to be walking into the Emerald city. And, Uh uh, we're not cynical. But we've we've got our bruises, and we and we shall we show them proudly. <laughs> yeah. And then, but what about access into that Emerald City? If you're so you're coming from the Midwest, and if someone says I do want to go to New York, or I do want to go to LA, you know, in terms of meeting agents or casting directors or, or showcasing, how do I kind of um, find a way to break my way in? The alum network from IU is so strong, and uh, particularly within the past, you know, ten to twelve years, as each. As each as the as the MT alum population gets larger in New York, mm-hmm. that is the first landing place for most of most of the BFA MTs. Is that they they hit New York if that's where they're going, and the first thing they do is reach out to their older sibs from the program and just say, "Help me out." And mm-hmm. my God, every year it's the same. It's they just they're there with welcoming arms and a safety net. We've also moved our showcase. We're trying to get this out this year. We moved our senior showcase to spring break. Hmm. So that gives a chance for students who've never been to New York, because there are always a few, if not half the class, a chance to dip their toes in 
and it's not the end of the semester, right? They dip mm-hmm. their toes in halfway through going, okay, this is good for me, or this is not good for me. So it, it, it is the networking of, uh, of, of alums that really help people going. Also, because we work with casting directors and agents, we bring them in for master classes here. Um, that's already a step in, in a way that's a toe in the door is saying, yes, you gave me that master class at, at IU and you coached me on this song and it was wonderful. Thank you. Or you just let them know you're back in town and, um, they're really good. You know, we, we, the casting directors we work with, um, they stay on it. They, they're, they've seen, they, they see our kids, I think as they do to everybody, you know, they're, they're, there are good people out there. You mentioned, um, all the, uh, places that your students are researching in terms of where they may end up and some may be New York, LA, whatever, you know, all the different places where you can end up working Chicago. Um, I'd love to hear, where do your students come from in general? Do you, know, is it truly all over the country or more coming from the Midwest in terms of the breakdown? Do you have a sense of, of where the, the students are coming from? They're from all over. Really, we have some people from California, some people from New York. Um, I would say a majority is around, uh, some people in state, yes. Uh, but mm-hmm. I would say around a majority of the Midwest uh, folk. But uh, really, everyone comes from everywhere. And then where do they, so they've done this project, where do they end up? I mean, do, do most end up going to New York with the musical theater training? Do people, a lot of people end up in Orlando or Seattle or you know some of those different markets? Most end up in New York, that's their dream, or some in Chicago. Um, mm-hmm. and then a, a couple of them have gone, popped over the seas, the land uh, uh, over to uh, England as well. Can we talk about, since we had this whole class about money, which we're really excited about, can we talk about money in terms of cost of, of attendance? So I'd love to hear kind of what is the larger cost in terms of the, the ticket price? And then, uh, also in terms of scholarships, how do those work in terms of what I might expect to actually pay, um, depending what my academics are, depending artistically, et cetera. It is not cheap as everybody already knows so parents um this is the time to take a little pill or shut, something shut off this episode and move yep. on to the next school exactly yep. Not, yep. Not. <laughs> <laughs> um there's two levels of of uh tuition here just right off the bat if you're in state it's significantly cheaper than if you're out of state and that's most that's what most state schools do and do you have a sense of about what that is and you don't have to have exact numbers but you and yeah. about where they are? i'm gonna give roundabout figures the last time i checked when i was working on scholarships for last year's incoming class um uh i uh, and IU has this on their website. You can look up, you know, they do a calculator. And I think on paper, at first, it looks like 40 something, you know, 40, 40 something grand. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to give anywhere. I think it's between 42 and 44. But then that's just tuition. Mm-hmm. When all is said and done, I believe, again, don't look it up, please, everybody look it up. But I believe uh, the last time I looked, it was something around 54. Mm-hmm. with room and board and books and, uh, you know, all of that stuff coming in. And even though um, the tradition is that nobody, nobody really stays in the dorms after their freshman year, they all, they all, um, uh, at least for the MTs, they all get mm-hmm. uh, housing off campus. And so that it, it changes the cost, I think, in per- certain areas, because you're not paying room and board, but you're paying mm-hmm. rent and you're paying, you know, you're paying for groceries. Some people mm-hmm. still do a meal plan, even though they're, they're not living in in a dorm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a thing called the Crimson Card, and you load cash onto it and things like that. But uh, it is not cheap, mm-hmm. and uh, there are a lot of work study opportunities, um, a lot of opportunities for students to work. And actually, it as I understand it, it is more beneficial to get a job on campus hmm. uh, only because they're going to understand you're a student first, and you actually make 
better, as far as I understand, again, uh, just from what the students have been telling me, you make better money working on campus. Um, that being said, you know, there's bartending, there's waiting tables, and that's tip-based. And so that can, you know, you can have a really good night at that. But also... Um, but how do you wash the beer off of you to get to that 10 a.m. audition? Rich, yes, you know. Yes. yes. Um, but then what about scholarships on your end? How, how does it work in terms of, is it more about the artistic scholarships and more about academic? Can you combine the two? How does that work if I'm trying to work that number down as much as I can? There are both. And the only thing we we look at technically and what we can look at is the uh, departmental and program scholarships that are awarded um, through merit. They're awarded through academics, um, which I have to say, just in general, the academic expectations at IU are pretty high. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's a research one university and that, um, that, that uh, infiltrates everything. Infiltrate sounded like the wrong word I wanted to use, <laughs> but it, it affects everything. It really yeah. affects the, the expectations of performance, both academic and artistic and whatnot for everybody. So standards are high. Um, uh, those on scholarships of most levels have to maintain a certain GPA. Um, uh, the scholarships that we, you know, there's a whole office of scholarships, which I recommend everybody to look at because when people come to me about opportunities, um, we have, we have a few, we have, we have, we have scholarship uh, funds within a program in the department, but sometimes the bigger ones are the ones that are, um, out there, uh, to be sought after in terms of, you know, whatever the criteria is for each one of those. But we have our own um, IU Office of Scholarships, and there's mm-hmm. a ton of information on there. Great. Um, um, you mentioned the Research One University. I'd just love to hear about outside of the theater program, what does IU afford you? So so if I'm going to attend and I'm going, maybe I'm not going just for the theater program, what else do I get as an, an IU student? You get, uh, well, first of all, to talk about that is like we, we are... Um, we're a small program, we, we, and we want to keep it that way. Uh, but we're a small program within a really large university. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got so many schools and opportunities for students to take courses outside of either their, their first of all, their major for their gen eds. I encourage them to be creative in what they can take for that gen ed requirement. Um, uh, math, language, uh, uh, um, uh, a lot of our students have a minor in arts management. Mm-hmm. And I think that hand in hand with their BFA musical theater training really equips them for an industry as well. Um, some are already looking at, well, I might want to go into casting. I might want to go into running a theater, um, some sort of artistic directorship. Uh, that's really popular. We have uh, the BFA leaves not a lot of room to do a second major, but it leaves room for minors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have a lot of minors in our program. Um, you know, there's the Kelly school of business, uh, the Kinsey Institute. We, we have a lot, we have a lot here. It's the kind of, I, I wish I'd gone here. I shouldn't mm-hmm. say my, I love my alma mater. I love Denison university, but when I look at what IU has to offer, you know, Denison mm-hmm. has a population of 2000 students and we have 40,000. So mm-hmm. at IU, <laughs> it's a little different, of course, but I look at that opportunity. I'm like, wow, students here are so lucky. They have literally, um, it, it does require some focus sometimes to, to bring people in because everybody, they want to, everybody wants to do everything they possibly mm-hmm. can while they're here. And I understand that. Um, and we encourage that. But when we see burnout happening, we go, hey, hey, you, slow down just a second mm-hmm. there. Let's let's actually get some sleep this week. Um, mm-hmm. uh, because we are a small department, we are a program, I should say, we we do keep a close eye on 
on our students. And when we see uh, some stumbling going on, we, we jump in immediately and say, Hey, are you, what's going on? Are you, Mm -hmm. so we're, 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 we, we like to keep tabs on them. Um, I'd love to hear just in the, you know, as students are making their decisions, their final decisions, you know, and you're kind of debating between who who you've accepted and now they're saying, where do I choose to go? Um, I'd love to hear, like, what is the information that you think, oh, I wish all these people knew this as they're making those decisions? And then also I'd love to hear maybe a little bit of why they would choose not to go to your school. If they say, you know what, I'm going to actually attend this other school because this bit of information made me go, oh, I'm going in this direction. So what are the things that you really wish they wanted to know? And then what would you um, say they the reasons they choose to go somewhere else? I think um, I want them to know that they are, we are training them to be artists. So, uh, and not a cookie cutter, uh, as Rich has has, uh, talked about a little bit, and um, that they are going to be strong artists in in any discipline that they they choose in in terms of musical theater. Um, In terms of why they would change their mind is that it is a big university. Sometimes it, it could be overwhelming. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that's the only, that's the only thing I can think of. Um, uh, and that Bloomington is a little isolated, which is, I think it's fantastic. It really focuses in on, on, on what you need to do and what you need to accomplish as a student. Does, it does not allow for a lot of distractions, um, mm-hmm. unless you like cornfields. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, that's, that's the other thing that might draw someone to it or away from it. If they, they don't feel like they, they, they feel like they need more of a city, feeling metropolitan mm-hmm. a feeling about it we're going to take a short break we're going to run a couple ads and on the back end of this break we're going to get into the audition process a little bit with rich and dj back in a flash another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. We are back with Rich and DJ talking about Indiana University and their audition process. And I'd love to just start off and just ask... What makes a great audition for each of you? And, and maybe you can each speci- speak specifically toward what is a great dance audition and then what is a great um, acting and singing audition um, for you. Great. I want to speak to the dance because, you know, not everyone comes dancer first. And so what we look for in in the auditions is a, a strong person, a sense of self, uh, a, a, of excitement, of uh, a potential, a willingness, an openness. Uh, so as long as they are not beating themselves up and, and, and having, uh, the audition stop for them because they don't have the confidence, we're looking for the confidence no matter what. And of course we're looking for fantastic dancers as well, but you know, there's, there's that little piece that we want to see within everyone that there's potential to grow. 
I love it. Yeah. And the acting singing? It's sort of along the same lines. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's looking at what is the enthusiasm there? Um, what, what kind of work has been put into this process? Um, it's, it's kind of easy to tell if they're in this full performance mode and I can, you can tell when behind their eyes comes the phrase, what are they thinking? I hope they like me. And that's, that's a, that's just mm-hmm. a general audition trap. Um, like DJ said though, we, I want a strong sense of self. I want to know who you are. I don't want you to, it, it's really not about playing a role at that point. It's just show me where you are right now. Uh, mm-hmm. warts and all. And, we'll help remove what warts we can so you can shine in your best self while you're here. Um, you don't have to be the world's best singer. And I, I know that's, I think that's a, well, that's a bit of a myth here. You don't mm-hmm. have to be the world's best singer. We've got four years to work on that. And we have top notch voice faculty here. And um, they have turned people who, had no significant training when they first came in, but we saw something there. And in four years, you would have never thought they didn't know how to match pitch at one mm-hmm. point in their life. And same thing with acting. It's, it's, it's just getting in there and being confident. And, you know, nobody comes in at 17 really being great at any three of them. It's just what they've learned up to that point. And we're not mm-hmm. looking for product at all. Um, I think that's where people get confused is that you have to be, the best. No, mm-hmm. just be as good as you can be that day. Um, and we'll see your training on your resume. We'll see where you are. Um, it's just, it, it's not about being perfect. You know, that's what I get upset about is that people just try to be perfect all the time. And there's really just no such thing. Yep. Totally. And it's a, it's a confidence of vulnerability to be able to show your warts, right? Yeah. I think often it's fear that makes us turn into total fear. Perfect, perfect, perfect. You know, and try to do that. And the audition thing is a weird thing, you know, it's, I, 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 uh, it's great to look good for an audition. It's great to look your best that day, but I would discourage people from wearing something to an audition that they wouldn't be wearing on stage. Mm-hmm. I don't need five inch heels for an audition because what mm-hmm. it's going to do at that age, most likely it's going to throw your center off. You're not going to be on your breath and it's going to, so the little things like that. So that image of like, you know what, if you prefer to audition for me in sneakers and jeans mm-hmm. and a nice, just a fun shirt, go for it. Mm-hmm. Go for it. Now, DJ might disagree with me, <laughs> but I, you know, it's, it's this idea of having to look perfect for an audition, please. Mm-hmm. No, I love just be yourself. Personal, personal style. That's what yeah. I always find fun. I love the wild card option on the pre-screen. I was just going to ask about it. There we go. You, you segued right into it. Because <laughs> I'd love to hear both the wild card, but also then just what you're looking for in the pre-screen that may be different than the live audition, if at all. Um, it, it's a definitely a sense, just, it's, it, I'm going to sound like a broken record, a sense of self. Um, I just, I, I want to see a sense of playfulness. Um, uh, genuine, it's hard to, it's hard to look for genuine connection in a video submission because mm-hmm. unless I don't know, maybe they're singing to somebody over the other side of the camera, it's hard to convey on video. So that's why the wild card really comes in handy because I get to see you being you. Mm-hmm. A- and more often than not, I really do see the real person come out in the mm-hmm. wild card. And that's, we've made decisions to bring people in because the audition lining up to it was great videos of song. Great song. Great monologue dance. Good. But that wild card showed me a spark that we didn't see in the other videos. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't 
don't make the wild card your best thing. <laughs> just it, it's, but it's supplemental there for a reason. Uh, really, really do something that just shows yourself in the wild card. Well, and speaking of the supplemental stuff, so, you know, it's one of the things the students are often asking us is, oh, there's so many things I have to do supplementally. You know, when we look at like the essay, so if we have to do a separate essay for Indiana about this for the university, about literature and a piece of art and a real life event or person or, you know, some of those, those kind of things. How do you interact then with those essays? Is that really more for the university or are you going to be reading all those supplements? That's for us. That's not for the university. They do a separate, um, a separate essay. And to be fair, we keep it, we keep it short, one page double spaced what piece of art literature historical event would you like to see musicalized book is also important mm-hmm. i allow movies to because that's but that's cheating a little bit because it's sort of the artistic process is already carved mm-hmm. out for you but i do say if you're going to if a movie it can't be a musical it can't be a movie that already has that is known for songs in it like fame it's been done mm-hmm. um but i want to see where they're thinking in terms of the creative process and it doesn't put you in the program as opposed to somebody else who might not write something, but it just shows me uh, your level of, of, of interest in that process. Uh And if it's not there again, it's not a strike against you. It also lets us know who you are a little bit, because sometimes we'll get a revealing passage in an essay. That's like, because I blah, 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 blah. I went through this and this is why I brought, this is what brought me to the arts. And I want to do this musical because this is the, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a real personal side that, strips away uh, that need. Sometimes I just see in the academic essays that it's mm-hmm. like, well, I have to write this because I need to show this so it's I can get into this university. How my mom taught me how to write. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I just want a little bit of them. Again, it's just part of the process of getting to work with the individual. And then, so between the two of you, this is nice having two people so you can fight over it. When you have different scores, or let's say someone's a really strong dancer, or a really strong actor, how does that work now as you make the decision to come together and say, I want this student or I don't want this student. Do you, do you fight over it? Do you combine the scores into some mathematical 0.002% or how does all that work? We fight. No, <laughs> no, no, we actually really are pretty well balanced there because we want to have a well-balanced program. So we want to have, you know, our dancers, our singers, you know, what, what, are we, what are they first? What do we need to nurture? What, what kind of class does this look up? What is the makeup of the class? What, what, you know, um, we try to get at least, uh, you know, a, a well-balanced there uh, of all the skills. So we're not mm-hmm. heavy in one area, you know? And, and, and how many voices are kind of, is there a, a final decision where we go, I get to say yes, or is it just keep fighting until the vetoes are done? Or, or how does that well, end up working? we do place them in order. And so, you know, it goes all the way up to what? What do we have? 400 <laughs> last year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it goes yeah. into an order of, you know, who we want for, and then it just makes it down the line. Is that rich? Do you think? Yeah, it's, and that's, and we all, yes. And we all, um, it's, you know, I'd say it's, it's unanimous and we all have to agree that, that we want to work with this person. And, um, I don't think we've ever had, we've never had a dissenting stubborn one mm-hmm. person on out but if it came i mean i shouldn't even call them stubborn if there's some if there's an issue that somebody has with something in a you know we, then we'll we'll look at that and address that and mm-hmm. we and we listen and when somebody will say well this da 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 oh i didn't see it from that point of view okay let's reconsider uh-huh. um because what i don't want to do for us as a faculty is create a situation where uh, I create discomfort on any level. You know, we, I want us to all agree 
that this group of students is the group we want. I love it. And I'd love to share a little bit about, so you are, as of now, at least I believe not unified schools. You guys are not, don't go to the New York, Chicago, LA. Um, how does it work with, I, I know you have this, this wonderful on-campus audition experience. How does that work then with the virtual? I'd love to hear both about the on-campus experience, but also then with virtual auditions, uh, um, if you're keeping those or squeezing those in um, this year. Well, we're doing both. Um, no, we, we have not joined unifieds. Um, uh, based on the fact that we don't have the largest faculty, you know, there's only there's only six of us really, mm-hmm. and it's um, when two of those six are ensconced in directing and choreographing a main stage, or three, as it was this 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 semester. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a there's not a lot of room for that travel. However, we are able to squeeze in MTCA. Hey now, so yeah. you know, so we, uh, um, I feel like it's. Uh, and that in a way we are getting the in-person audition when we go to those, that one faculty member, but we do ask that they still submit um, uh, through our own method, not accepted because if you haven't, we'd love to waive that accepted fee for those that we Mm -hmm. all go out and see. Uh, We're not set up to do that. So we have to create a separate little Google drive. It's Mm -hmm. fine. It just, but um, uh, the virtual audition is important. We learned how to see some stuff, uh, with that during the pandemic, it's still not my favorite way to do it, but it does not decrease your chances of consideration. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we hold a certain amount of slots during the school, during the, when we call people back to campus, we hold a certain number of slots for virtual for those who are unable, because we also realized at one point, um, the inequity that that presents, um, mm-hmm. in terms of accessibility, not everybody can afford to fly to Indianapolis and then take a car down to Bloomington. Uh-huh. Right. Um, so that being said, and we want to uphold that, uh, which we are, um, <laughs> coming to campus is such a selling point for us. It's uh-huh. it's a beautiful, beautiful campus. and um, But for those who are, again, are not uh, unable to make it, are not able to make it, we've got tons of videos and, and uh, tours, video, virtual tours of our department. Um, we did, uh, you know, some of our, during the pandemic, we had did a couple of showcases completely virtually in which um, we really went all out and mm-hmm. did some drone footage. So it, it highlights the university Ooh. and then, you know, it's, it looked like a scene from fame with our students dancing on top of uh, the garage and down the streets. Uh, uh, but anyway, it's, um, it's making sure that everybody who is, who has an interest in auditioning for us gets to, and uh-huh. then those that we call back, same thing. Um, uh, uh, airfare should not be the deterrent um, from yeah. having that final call back with us. So, and again, we're figuring it out. You know, we, we, um, I think this year we've got a system down pretty much. Um, but, uh, and, you know, ideally I'd love to have, I'd love to have scholarships and funds to bring people to campus who might uh-huh. not be able to have the means to do so. But what ends up happening is that if we've, we've auditioned people virtually who absolutely just weren't able to make it to campus because of all the other audition opportunities they had, once the offer is made, uh, if they do receive an offer from us, that usually does bring them to campus eventually. Yes. And then that does become a deciding factor because again, our gorgeous campus yep. uh, and well, great and facilities. <clears throat> much easier for you to, you know, shell out the money to go to a place where you've been accepted than to go to 
15, 20, whatever the number of schools you're doing, if you don't even know if they like you yet. Exactly. But to be able to go, I can set aside this for the three favorites or whatever, you know, when you, when you get to that point. It's hard. So we, we try to structure our, um, that virtual callback day, um, as close as possible to the physical callback Mm -hmm. day. Um, so it's, it's extra work, but it's worth it. You know, um, uh, one of the things I've learned about a lot about in the past couple of years in terms of creating equity is what can you put aside to make room for uh-huh. uh, the something that needs the needs the attention. So um, uh, I think I think we're doing pretty well in that. So Great. we'll see. I don't want to go to all virtual all the time, to be honest. Yeah, I love a I physical know. audition. It's so much fun. The workshops we do together uh, when their students are here are great. I love meeting the parents in person. Uh, you know, it's it's but I understand that not everybody can do that. So we're 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 making um, uh, accommodations to help. All of our coaches talk about that of like the the college process actually gone much more in person than the professional world. I mean, so the number of times that we're like, oh, my God, it's my first in person audition in two years. I've been doing all these damn self tapes or whatever. I mean, it's really it's a way in which the college is a, a little bit more because nobody wants to be on Zoom. I mean, it's just at least I certainly feel that way. I'm, I'm sick of it. Um, I just want to wrap up with a last question. You mentioned parents of meeting all the parents. Um, just speaking to our parent listeners out there, um, from what you know of the process and especially your process, is there any advice that you would have for the parents who are going through this process? M- maybe th- whether they're a senior who's deep in it now or they're a younger student who's just sort of beginning the, the journey. I'd love to hear what, what your, your advice would be for that. Um, listen to your kid. <laughs> see where their passion is. Uh, see why, uh, help weigh out what is important for what they're looking in uh, for in a university, what what they mm-hmm. want out of a program, uh, what, what, and then put together a list of, you know, pros and cons, which, which, which colleges gave you what you think is what you want for your college career. I think that's the best way to go about it. I think that's exactly right. Um, a lot of the time, you know, it, it is the parents' financial responsibility, and that's a lot to consider. So I think that has to be part of, you know, the conversation is what what is what is feasible. Um, but also, you know, where where is your child's passion? Where is mm-hmm. that lying? And here's a little thing, just in general, please stay off the chat groups. Please stay off the chat groups. It I there's not there's not a larger source of misinformation mm. and sometimes disinformation on those mm. chat groups. I think there's Sing a lot it. of good stuff too, but it really creates it's it's just another social media platform and information just gets thrown about. And I heard, I heard, I heard, I heard. Um it really does a disservice ultimately to the parent and child in terms mm-hmm. of their search um, come to the source I just did a workshop down in Florida a couple uh, a few weeks ago and um, a lot of the parents asked about that and I just said just come to the source mm-hmm. email the heads of the programs email the teachers their email addresses are right there what do you teach how do you teach it how do you mm-hmm. how do you form your class that's for the parent that really wants the information so please go right to the source that's such good advice. Just one or two. I heard this, and I heard this games of telephone, and you hear stuff that you go, "What is? Th- where did you get that from?" That's the opposite of true. That is not correct. Yeah, yeah. so true. Um, yeah. Well, and they've come to the source right here in this episode, of course, hearing from two of these wonderful sources. If they want to hear more, if they want to read more, where do I find that drone footage? Is it on Instagram? Do I go to the website? What's the best way to keep in contact with with uh, Indiana? You can go to. Uh... 
uh, IUMT page, indianauniversity.edu, iu.edu, I should say, click on... Um, we'll, we'll put it all in the show notes. They'll be able to click all this in the show notes. But today. you can look through the um, showcase archives and um, you should be able to see a lot of it there. Um, we can also send you some Vimeo or YouTube links um, that might show that as well. But uh, our website has some good videos on it to begin with. So um, We love it. So by magic of the future, this will all already be in the show notes of this episode that they can click to, uh, to view yeah. all these things. And we'd have a nice um, presence on social media. We have a presence on uh, Instagram, which is uh, maintained by students as well, which is great. So And on YouTube. There's some things on YouTube. There's a virtual tour uh, and a lot of uh, past performances that you can see on YouTube. Well, thank you both so much for the time today. This was such a pleasure, and I will see you in December. A bing, bang, boom. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Rich and DJ. Always an extra challenge with two people over the internet connections, but they were both so game and warm and really great advocates for their program. And we are really looking forward to having Indiana represented at our upcoming NYC auditions. Um, As far as a takeaway from today, it's going to be a long one. I'm going to give two head nods to like jobs while in school and maybe a further discussion of what to wear. Those are both suggested by our own wonderful Megan. And both are ones I hope we hit on again. But I have too much to say about Rich's great and very specific advice about chat boards or maybe he said message boards. Um I just want to echo the spirit of this advice, this advice completely, um, in that there is so much misinformation and disinformation on the internet um, that lives in chat rooms, but you know it also lives in those incredibly deceptive, clickable articles with like top ten lists or here's everything you need to know about, etc. You know, often you know it's written by a quote unquote expert, and some of those people I'm like, are, are you really an expert in the field? Maybe some of them are, but plenty of them I've seen are by people who are truly, truly not experts. Um, And that same goes for message boards. Um, It used to be the really popular college confidential. I think that's now a little bit less popular than it used to be. But, you know, now it's spread into a lot of different places. And that's it. I think a lot of those places, college confidential included, are absolutely a source of good information that are intended for good and can be really chock full of a lot of stuff that like, how would you know this, right? I mean, how else does anyone find anything except to Google it, right? So there's nothing wrong on clicking on what comes up and expecting what you read to be true. Um, The same is true of like a Reddit thread if you do that or whatever you would look on in the internet. The big advice I would give you with all of it, the same way you would do if you read a Reddit thread or whatever, is that whatever you take, whether it's that chat board or an Instagram post or whatever, Take it all with a grain of salt, right? A grain of skepticism. Anytime you see someone write something and say it as fact, just add your own, in my opinion, in big, bold letters on top of it. And that same goes for the a so-called expert like me, right? I really try my best to distinguish between when I'm giving you my personal artistic taste, my professional opinion as a coach for 17 years, or something that is truly factual and not subject to subjectivity. But even there... I am completely fallible, and there are plenty of clips from this podcast or quotes from our webinars or things I've written, which without an in my opinion could sound dangerously like I'm saying they're fact, when in fact they are my opinion. And just to be clear, something being an opinion doesn't make it a bad thing. If you've listened this far into an episode, you are clearly in search of expertise, and I think you've come to a great place that has a lot of it. But the same is true of a lot of these great message boards, right? We, we have a great relationship with Marcy and Bunny, two women who run a Facebook page called the Empty Parent Page. It can be a great source of information. 
That is partly because I think of the integrity of those two women and the care they take and, and who they let in and what they let people post and how they moderate it, right? They will actively try to take down misinformation when they can. But that doesn't make this group infallible. And you still want to add, in my opinion, to the end of a lot of posts that you might read, but it can make it a, a good resource. And I will say in general, a little shout out to parents. Our previous MTCA parents who've gone through this process have been an enormous and incredible resource to us at MTCA throughout my two decades of doing this. You know, the way an actor will often say, I learned the show after I got in front of the audience or, I, you know, as a playwright or something, say, I really get it. Or a comedian maybe will go, oh, that's where the laughs are. I got it from the from the audience. The experience of going through this process with our students and especially our parents has honed our knowledge through these years. They are such good BS detectors. Anytime we would say something that wasn't fully thought out, or maybe it wasn't backed up by enough evidence, or maybe it become a little outdated, maybe it was really true three years ago, and they go, is that still true today? And they would challenge us, they would question us, and they would keep our ear as fully to the ground as possible. It is, in fact, in listening to them over thousands and thousands of students we have really intimately learned the landscape of this process more than just coaching our individual students could have possibly taught us. So I just want to be very clear. And by the way, I think this was not at all Rich's intention, that statement, but most parents who go through this process are incredibly thoughtful and incredibly helpful and want to help the next generation succeed. We have our own private MTCA Facebook pages for our MTCA students and family. And the alumni parents, some of them are from five to 10 years ago and will still post amazing advice, amazing support. They'll reminisce with the parents. They'll go through it with them. So just a big kudos to parents in general. That said, and to finally get to Rich's point a little bit, I think, anyone who has followed the Twitter fiasco knows the internet is a dark and scary place. And if given full liberty, the worst of humanity will quickly out. Just ask the thousands of people who renamed themselves Elon Musk on Twitter. Um, I do think it will be an incredibly small amount of people who will actively try to sow disinformation. But somehow with that incredibly small number of people, it has a nasty habit of spreading. It only took $8 and a song in their heart for someone to tweet as Lockheed Martin halt that they were going to halt all Middle East sales for Lockheed Martin to lose billions of dollars in their stock. And yes, sadly, you will see stuff like this in the college process. It's rare, but it does happen. People who maybe are bitter might tweet about a certain school or post about a certain school about who they're accepting or who they're not accepting. Have things gone out yet or they haven't gone out yet? What wait lists are not at this point? Or sometimes they'll say that, you know, what was said to them when they didn't get in, you know, as sort of a way of coping. Like they'll say, well, they said they, they would have accepted me, but they're not accepting any more white girls. Back in my day, it was all on Facebook and it would just be students claiming to have gotten into schools that maybe either they hadn't released acceptances yet or they were just lying about results. You know, if you ask them, you see like 80 people who got into Carnegie Mellon and somehow 60 of them turned it down. Um, you know, all of it can happen. And I do think the more you can block it out or have that healthy grain of skepticism, the better. But this maybe goes even more so than just with the disinformation, which again is rare, but that well-intended misinformation, which I think is all the more common. People will genuinely try to share what their experience was and the conclusions they drew from it, which may or may not be right, right? It can go either way. Sometimes people correctly surmise what happened in their experience or sometimes not, right? But the problem is they'll try to make it universal for the process. So they'll take the conclusions that worked or didn't work for them, and then they'll try to put a why and what makes this work um, for all people. 
And this is the most natural thing in the world to do. You have to fight against human nature to avoid doing this. We like rules and we want to make a rule every time something happens. This happened because of this, right? If, you know, I, I touch the stove, I will burn my hand. If I didn't get this audition and I wore a blue shirt, it's because the auditor hates blue shirts or blue shirts are bad luck or whatever conclusion I'm going I'm to draw from it, which of course may be true. Maybe the auditor hates blue shirts, but it's probably unlikely. And even if it is true, is it helpful to you? If you love blue shirts and this is how you think you look the best, heck no. Then obviously this school is not the right school for you. If that's going to be the reason they turn you down, then this is obviously not the right school for you. And again, that's a ridiculous analogy with blue shirts, but I think you can do some of the metaphors um, yourself. I'll say for me, it was always about, for me, size and roles. That was always really tri tricky. I would think, you know, I'm I'm too large for this role. Uh, you know, I'm 6'4", and so sometimes, especially right out of school, maybe I'd be like, uh, I'm kind of in between ages at the moment. I, I look old because I'm this size, but I still have a youthful face. And is that going to... How does any of that help me? I mean, I'm not going to suddenly shrink from 6'4 to 6 foot, right? It could help me specifically with roles about deciding what to go in for, but you're not going to decide which college you're going to go into it for because of your size or because of your color or because of your religion or anything like that. So in trying to act on most of this misinformation, most of these rules that you may have read about, you will either cause yourself unnecessary heartache or potentially actively harm your process. If you hear something like school X likes edgy people, and so then you choose to try to dress edgy, you're not following the basic advice, probably the advice you've heard most often on this podcast, which is to present your authentic self to these auditors. I used to get this story a lot from a college faculty member who used to teach master classes from us, that their school's reputation from the message boards, and this was sort of out there in general, was that they liked quote unquote edgy students, right? That was the conclusion drawn. That was the rule. And so there was this other coaching, coaching organization out there who does talk a little bit more about type or a lot more about type. And they tell you what to wear. Here's what you're supposed to wear. And they would tell all of their students to throw on a leather jacket when they auditioned for that school. And so then the faculty member would always be like, I can smell this a mile away. These students are not helping themselves. I know this is a student of this organization, and I know that's not who they are. They're wearing this cute dress, and they just threw on a leather jacket. It's just hiding themselves as opposed to sort of showing something, right? That same advice, that's obviously an obvious example. The same advice goes for this school doesn't like this type of singing, or this school really likes this type of acting, or this school really likes this kind of identity, Right. Of course, you want to pay attention to the requirements the school is asking for, but beyond that, you want to present your best self and let them do their job. Somebody else's rule that they've determined is not going to help you. You're, you're going to suddenly sing a style that you're worse at because that's what someone did last year to get in. You're suddenly going to, what, change part of your identity because you think it'll help you? Again, that's the example of me cutting off six inches or whatever to be like, they like short people or whatever. That's where so much of this noise becomes really unhelpful. It can help soothe your anxiety in that moment to go, oh, that's why. Okay, well, I couldn't help it. That's why. But it is really not helpful for this process. And I'm going to say further, it is a poor foundation for you as you go through your career and have to deal with rejection to always focus on that part of the why, right? Apart from your performance and what you can control, focusing on those things that you can control it's if anything, it's going to make you bitter. It's going to make you resentful. It's going to put you in a bad place for no reason. Well, one thing you can control, if you want to hear more of this podcast, is hitting that subscribe button. You can also leave us a string of long ratings and reviews to form a sort of chat board in your current podcast application. And follow us on all social media platforms. There's a little rumor going around the message boards that this podcast is getting its own special social media account. Oh my, can you believe it? Stay tuned 
for more of that information. But until that happens, you can hit us up at Charmer7 and MTCA at Musical Theater College Auditions. Also, if you prefer email, you're welcome to hit us up at mailbag at mappingthecollegeaudition.com or contact MTCA through our main website. The shortcut is mtca.nyc. So many ways to keep in touch. To my young artists out there mapping their journeys, wash the beer off your breath and get back into that audition. We'll see you next week. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.